Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Ramon Foster Show, brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they are open for business 24-7, serving hot, fresh food. Moan, happy Tuesday. I was going to tell you, talk to me nicely, and you did. It is happy Tuesday. Tuesday. (laughs) Taco Tuesday for some, man. Yeah, uh, I didn't hang around the Steelers cafeteria to find out what they're serving, but I was over there for the start of minicamp today, and I, I have a... A super secret term to share with you regarding the Steelers minicamp and OTAs. You ready for this? Yeah. Now, you having been an offensive lineman there for the past decade, you have not heard this term much. But here it comes. You ready? (laughs) Yes, say it. Play action. Oh. Play action with a hyphen in between. Wow. You're talking about a stress relief for the offensive line. They got a block for five seconds at a time. Is that what you speak of? A little bit of of trickery for a defense Mm. that's unsuspecting? A little bit. A little bit. And and here's here's what we've got. Here's what we've got. I, I spoke today with several people. And one of the reasons that they like Mitch Trubisky and will have him as their number one quarterback entering training camp, which Matt Canada essentially confirmed Mm -hmm. today, is that they love his ability, his experience at handling play action. Now, please walk us through, like, what that actually means. Like, what is play action? Why is it such a dangerous weapon in the NFL? It's a dangerous weapon because, I mean, you're doing one side of your offense right. That means that you, you probably established the run good enough to where you get the linebackers, the D linemen biting on the run game. It also puts a whole lot of stress on the back end of the defense. And if that's the deficiency of one of uh, the teams that you're playing, or is this too, it, all it takes is one or two big chunk plays like that a game to really open up the game a little bit too. Because if the DBs start sitting back, then your run support on the outside edge kind of opens up a little bit more, especially if you're being efficient in the run game. And that can be three, four yards at a time when it comes down to it. Uh, and, and the other part of it is, is, if you are running play action on a, a, a non-suspecting secondary, then you find yourself in the same position as you find offensive linemen. 
one player out of position in the secondary on a play action play can lead to a big chunk play, if not a score. It's just like all it takes is for one person to be out of position on the offensive line. D linemen, you know this, and linebackers, they can roam and miss gaps all they want to. You might have a a big run every once in a while, but if it's on the if it's on the front end of an offensive line set and one player's out of position, that's a sack, TFL, fumble, sack fumble, or something like that. I correlate that honestly to the secondary. If one of their players bites on the play action, meaning the run game was efficient enough for them to go, or you sell it well enough, then you're on the uh, then that's a big play for the offense. The other part too of them being very adamant about Mitch Trubisky running it is a lot of quarterbacks aren't comfortable with their back away from the defense. And Mitch seems to have that attribute in his back, in his backpack as far as saying, I'm comfortable with doing that. I can give a great fake, turn around and set up and throw, especially when it becomes a timing thing, especially when it becomes a confidence thing for him to know that, look, the run is going to sell and give me time. As long as there's nobody in my face right now, more times than not, it's not, unless it's TJ Watt coming off the edge, uh, then you find yourself with, at least one, if not two or more options when it comes down to dropping the ball off. Now, that play action can be a deep pass. It can also be a, just be a 10-yard pass that gets the player more yards down the field. That's the beauty of what play right, action is. Right. And then it's also this. You get an opportunity to just run the defensive lines and linebackers out of position so that it opens up even more. Mitch is more comfortable, it seems, at turning his back, turning his back towards the defense. That's that's a that's an interesting point. One that uh, Mike Sullivan himself didn't bring up. He focused mostly, Moan, on 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 footwork, and a habit form, a uh, habit forming mechanism that he's had over the years. Where he takes he was the way he was describing it was he takes three steps back, and most quarterbacks will then do they'll go three bigger steps and then three smaller steps, and he his steps are continuous. He has mm-hmm. a really good rhythm about, like you he were does. saying, he'll turn his back and he'll make something happen here. It's interesting to me yeah. that this offense, which has not had, I'm preaching to the choir here and saying no. this to you, has not no. done play action in a long time, even though it's a real thing in the NFL. It is. That this offense would move in that direction and at the same time, uh, you know, have one quarterback really that's done a lot of it, and that's it. Meaning, of course, in the NFL, in yeah. Mitch Mason Rudolph has not done no. play action. Can, can so we can I, we say the loud or can we say the quiet part out loud too? Go right ahead. You're happy to do this because it's minus Ben. You yeah. know, I, I was gonna go there next, yeah. but now you, I, I mean, <laughs> but that's it. I mean, that's really it. Ben did not want to do play action. I don't I don't know if it, he didn't want to. I think it's the fact that he'd rather just see everything in front of him. You know what I'm saying? I think he was able to do that and roll. And uh, I'll say this sense. towards the latter part of his career, you didn't let's say if if a defensive end snuffed out the fact that Ben was gonna be rolling. You don't want Ben in that situation where he's one-on-one with a DN and he's about to get smacked in the mouth. The thing about Mitch and what you just said also, his footwork and and and, and mobility allows him to get out of those types of plays. I've seen him in times and watching him play football, Mr. Biscay, where he is agile enough to get to the edge or get to the corner enough to throw the ball away. So 
that that also minus Ben with a more mobile guy is why you're more adamant about installing more play action. And the other part too, it gives the line a playoff. If I can just be honest with you, running one way, running another, unless you're just securing the gaps. But it also gives them time to gel more as a unit too by doing play action. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. One thing to throw in Ben's favor here is that Ben had one of the great pump fakes. Oh. <laughs> In, maybe in football history mm-hmm. I mean, that you want to talk. We talked a lot this summer about little hands and big hands and Ben could, <laughs> Ben could well, like this and s- not just yeah. sell it, but make it look real yeah. and then just, you know, bring it back down. Uh, I, I love the idea of the Steelers infusing deception and creativity of any kind into their offense. And I know that's an issue that you pounded really hard on this program all through last season. The the other part too, and I think we saw this a little bit last year, is also how adamant they are about giving Najee the ball. That can also lead to better play action sales because more times than not, if the handoff looked like it's going to Najee, it's probably going to go to him. And you also have to have that fear, which within what, the last three-ish years, that run threat hadn't consistently been there, right? So now you got a guy. It hasn't been there at all before last year. And then even last year, it was just out of force of will. You know, it they was. ran so many times that they inevitably ended up with some yards. Yeah, for sure, man. So this, I like it. When we come back on the Ramon Foster show, we're going to talk about Najee. Let's do that. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. And as promised, we're going to talk a little about Najee Harris and his gigantic tree trunk slash redwood legs. He, he had a good time with us today, Moan. He, he, he spoke for a while. Uh, he was laughing and joking and teasing yeah. everybody who uh, was talking about his his extra weight. He doesn't have any extra weight. He just no. got bigger. There's a difference. His legs are monstrous. What difference can that make for a running back? Man, and it, can, it, can it be bad? Uh, I don't think it can be bad because this is the other secret of it, too, is you kind of wither away uh, wither away somewhat during the season. You know, like you come in <laughs> benching, let, let's say for him squatting 525, if not more, hell, I might be underselling him big time. Let's say he's squatting like 620. By the end of the season, he might be about 485 just because the wear and tear in the season. I think he's built up enough of himself, man. And that's what you want to do going into camp. I I know I used to joke around with it and, and my crew did too as far as the OL. We walk out there after the first day of condition and say, well, guys, this is the best we're going to feel for the rest of the year. <laughs> you know that's it it's all downhill from there it's all downhill from here and you you do your lifts but it's more maintenance it's more maintaining trying to maintain and honestly prevent injuries when it comes down to uh the start of the season the way Najee has been described to me and our producer eddie provident man sent us a video that showed he just looked different from the rest of the pack and I say that respectfully man and one i, I just got to acknowledge this the, when benny snell came in he looked a little different I think the words you would use, he probably had that college puffiness on him. You know what I'm saying? A little bit. Now he's a smaller back and he's, it seems to me, drastically smaller than Najee. Yeah. So Benny, it's funny. I walked past Benny uh, in the hall today and he was just, he was just a t-shirt, whatever else you can actually see, you know, as opposed to, you know, with all the stuff on and everything. And the, 
first thought I had was that Benny looked more svelte. He looked good. And it's funny because, like, when you think of Benny in his best performance, the one against Cleveland, uh, I believe it was 131 yards off yep. the top of my head. Most of it was just straight ahead, no BS, boom, mm-hmm. up the middle, find a hole and hit it. Now, Benny's problem in part has been finding that hole. So, right. You know, that's that, nothing about your weight is going to alter that. I guess where I think of Najee, and this is where it gets me a little bit confused, he already had the escapability. He already yeah. had uh, the knack for being able to break tackles. And I just don't know that he needed this. But then he's not a breakaway runner to begin with. Yeah, so looking at him, just the breakdown of it, and I'm sure some people in the comments that, that probably know exactly what this is, I think he's still around the same weight. What he did was shredded himself as far as fat goes, fat yeah, content, he's, and he's, added more muscle. Yeah, I'll just tell you what he said today. He he said that his his weight right now is 244, that he'll be at 240 when the season starts, and that his yeah. last recorded playing weight was somewhere in the 230s because of exactly what you just said, which is that as the season goes along, you just naturally lose weight. That, by the way, applies across the board across. in professional yep. sports. That's not football. That's, that is all sports. Players, some of them really struggle to maintain yeah. a weight that they need. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think he's just getting ahead of the curve when it comes down to, I, I guarantee you, he sat down with Coach Garrett Guimont and Coach Tomlin and, and said, uh, strength and conditioning, Coach Garrett Guimont, and they asked him or they told him, hey, we need you here. We need you just a little bit heavier. We need you to tone up just a little bit more. And along with that came strength. Along with that just came, I'm sure, better balance. Along with that came uh, better endurance and durability. So I don't fault him for that. I think it looks good. And you probably say it's, it's a lot of clean muscle or clean mass that he's added to himself just off the visuals that I've seen from him. So um, knowing he's going to get a the, the lion's share of the load this year. Uh, I think that's obvious. You don't draft a guy in the first round and not give him the ball like that. And he's also super talented, too. Um, I just think this is just preparation for those times that he knows he's going to get hit. He knows that he's going to have to carry this team again. I I like our our quarterback room just as young as they are right now. But this offense is probably going to go through Najee Harris still to this day until those guys who are starting get established to where they're comfortable with the OL, which is fairly new. And you got to build a rapport with those receivers that you just acquired or just young enough that they got to adjust from not being Ben Roethlisberger. That's the biggest adjustment of all, still and all, isn't it? It, it really is, man. Is. <laughs> when we come back, let's do the Hey Mo segment. to the Ramon Foster Show. The only reason you watch is for the Hey Moan segment because that's the part that you contribute by leaving your entries in in comments on YouTube, on our site, DK Pittsburgh Sports. However you can find us. You can like mail it in or something if you still have access to the U.S. Postal Service. Max Wilkin has today's entry and he says, Hey Moan! By the way, he does it right. He puts it in all caps. You played in front of a number of different running backs. How much did the running style of the back dictate how you executed your blocking assignments? For example, was it night and day going from someone like Richard Mendenhall to Le'Veon Bell? Did coaches account for stuff like that as well, or was it more of a feel thing on the lines part? Woo, Man. good question, Max. That's, that's really good. Uh, 
Man, we've had a, a variation of running backs, man, from from Willie Parker, who, you know, get to the edge as quick as you possibly can. You know what I'm saying? Like, give Willie space so that he can work. And Moeldy Moore, downhill type of guy, grunting type of guy that you're going to do work. Most famously in the early era of, of the had an awesome run at Baltimore for a win, Isaac Redman. Ooh. You, so I've what named just Red Zone Redman. Red Zone Redman, man. <laughs> I've named three just in the first era of my career, or early era of my career. It's just like, and Rashard Mendenhall, too. It was some blocking, not a whole lot for Rashard, man, because he was mostly injured. And next thing you know, it was, it was over with. Um, but let's just go from those three right there I just named with you. I, I see you shaking your head, DK, like it ended early for Rashard, man. It did. Um, and, and I was not one of the Rashard bashers. Uh, on or off the field. I got along with him. I know there's some, you know, who found him to be a little bit unusual or difficult, but I thought that his his football talents never yeah. had a chance they to make did. it all the way out, you know? They they did not, man. And and I hate it for him because the talent was there. You have injuries. You have certain things that happen. I mean, let's not forget, like, on that road to the Super Bowl, he played a part in it also. Um, and like you said, I think it was more of a misunderstanding public perception that kind of put Rashard underneath the rug as far as, hey, there's a key underneath it, man. Use it if you have to. And we didn't use them a whole lot, man. Um, you like that analogy right there, DK, right? That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, you're, really, <laughs> you're really good. But, what can I say? <laughs> uh, but let's just go from Willie Parker, where you got to get to the corner really fast, give him the ball, and he goes. Um, and then you go to a guy like Isaac Redman. Not a barn burn as far as speed. Downhill power got light. The switch goes from, Quick, get to the second level to spend some time with it. It's going to be downhill. It's going to be in between the tackles when, as far as him running the ball. If he breaks a tackle, you might get an extra four or five yards out of it. Like, your mindset changes. We always talk about this switch from D'Angelo, from Le'Veon to D'Angelo. Of course, the most complicated of them all to us to block for, and it wasn't a bad thing because we all benefited from it, was Le'Veon. Like, it was legitimately like, we used to call it like straining our backs. Like, dude, you got to strain your back to block for Le'Veon. And it got to a point to where we figured out the happy medium, whereas, it, you know, we talked about pancake blocks. I feel, I feel like yesterday or the day before. Yesterday. We did, yeah, yesterday. And it got to the point with Le'Veon, you just had to make sure you was in front of your guy. You couldn't be over your heels. You can't be trying to strain and push a guy because the thing about defensive linemen, when they figured out how he ran, they would just really stalk in front of us. So it was our job to make sure we're moving our feet one, two, one, two, one, two at a at a medium pace to make sure that we didn't get over the top and they shed us off the block for a tackle because Le'Veon would literally put his uh, hand in our back. Yes, and wait. he would do that physically. That's right. I forgot and, about that. And he would wait for them to make a move or the linebackers to make a move. It got to a point where it was like Pounce would be like, I got him on as far as the linebacker. And then it would turn into, no, I got him. So you couldn't leave your blocks. You ha you couldn't be too forceful in your blocking scheme because it was going to take some time. And in that was beauty. And it was the art of him Side to side and then breaking for like eight yards for a first down. You know what I'm saying? It, it was it was one of the craziest things ever, man, as far as just yeah. trying to get. I'm going to try to draw a parallel here. Tell me if I'm Go wrong, ahead. okay? Basketball picks. Yeah. Is it more like a basketball pick than a football block? In other words, with a basketball pick, you're basically putting your body somewhere. Yeah. You're just making sure – 
that whatever it is that happens, they're not. Yeah. They're not going to gaps. That, that's ex- as opposed to I'm gonna knock this Hill. sob on his rear end. Let's let's go like James Conner. His was get him, go quick. It was bang bang with the way you block for him. It was get to the edge, cut the backside blocks off so he can get to a corner. That was the difference between the two. And both of those guys, most recently in my team, had over a thousand yards. So two different techniques, but two successful types of uh, running style that both were pro bowlers. Both had over a thousand yards rushing also, and both became names. So it's a mentality of knowing your personnel. It's those practice times. It's that film study. There was a lot of corrections that had to be made when it came down to us learning how to block for Le'Veon. But on the same sense, your traditional running back, James Conner, it was like high school all over again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I know from talking to you guys after all of those games, which one you preferred. I mean, it was <laughs> I mean, it was just like, can we just can we just block some people? Yeah. Can we just knock some people over here? That's good stuff. Good stuff. It was. And and just to reference back, like Isaac Redman, just to most notably like bring him to it, like it was a downhill, like Chicago Bears versus the Pittsburgh Steelers type of running format. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not calling anything outside. You're going to get gap. You're going to get pull inside gap plays. And you guys just need to go bang bodies and make room for him because he wasn't going to hit the edge respectfully. Very good stuff, Max. Appreciate it. Appreciate everybody who, who contributes to the Hey Moan segment and appreciate everybody who listens to the Ramon Foster show. And only because of that, we're going to have another one tomorrow. That's the only reason. Only reason. <laughs> only reason.